But shaitan came to me one day and he said to me, what if Islam isn't true? This was the hardest thing I ever did. I can imagine. The hardest thing I ever did in my life. And there's this one speaker that I just absolutely fall in love with. And that's the man who sat in this chair, Sheikh Bilal. Peace be upon you all. And welcome back to another Safi Bros podcast with a series of success stories. Today, alhamdulillah, we are extremely blessed to have an amazing brother from the UK, Shuhaib Hussain, aka the amazing Sunnah guy. Assalamu <laughs> alaikum, brother Shuhaib. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to your success story on the Safi Bros podcast. Alhamdulillah. Pleasure to be here, honestly. I'm very, very grateful. Thank you. Jazakallah khair for coming. And it's been a long couple of days, mashallah, and you've made the effort to come down here and say Allah spend some time with us. Alhamdulillah. How are you? No, bro, honestly, it's a breath of fresh air to see you guys in real life. Because obviously, me and my editors, we've been working on some of the videos. <laughs> and we see you guys on those videos, etc. Because obviously, we're editing it. Uh, but amazing to be here. Melbourne's amazing. You know, mashallah, I'm very excited to. Share, you know, my story with you guys. Alhamdulillah. Just take us through that before we go into your into your life, inshallah. Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, you closely follow Bilal Assad, obviously, and that that uh, that uh, podcast of his that we did. Yeah, you touched obviously touched your heart, and then all of a sudden you heard Bilal speaking about you. When did you realize it was you? What took place there? Okay, so look, Sheikh Bilal came to the UK in you know in December, light upon light. Yes. Um, so we were doing like, you know, the light upon light. I was traveling with the team as well, you know. Uh, so because I was allowed to go backstage, etc., I meet him. And when I met him, I kind of, I quickly grabbed him because I knew he was tired. And I said to him, um, you know, I've got something I want to show you. And he's just smiling. You know him, like he's like, you know, just, just happy, <laughs> smiling, right? And um, I show him this video of his daughter. Wow. And his face is like this, like, you know, just a standard event face that you have, just a smiling face. He's, <laughs> what's this? How do you have? Stalker. So, so he, <laughs> I, I, it almost felt as if he felt, who are you? What do you want from me? Oh, wow. You know? Allah. And uh, instantly I said to him, do you remember you sent a message to a young boy 11, 12 years ago? And then I showed him that message. He said, is that you? Subhanallah. And then subhanallah, we went into a room and we I shared the story and we both started crying. Subhanallah. And, you know, I showed him what I've been doing as well. And subhanallah, we just embraced each other and it was just it was such a beautiful moment. Subhanallah. So and then when Amazing. I heard on the podcast, obviously after that he went back to Australia. He just kind of that was it, right? Um and then subhanallah, in the background I was, you know, mashallah olive tree events, they contacted me to invite me to Australia. We had no idea of to do this kind of battle within tour or whatever, etc. We were still just there, let's bring you to Australia, let's help you do some Dawah youth work, whatever, etc. Okay, cool, no problem. Uh, and then Bilal video comes out because he was on your podcast. And I'm listening to it because obviously I'm following him, right? So he's just saying, I went to the UK and I thought, okay, let's see what's he on about. Mm. I went to the UK and I met a brother, you know, he came to me and by the I have no idea what's going on. Like I'm just following the story, right? And then he said, then he shows me pictures of me. And my little kids. And, I, and I'm like, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on. What was you? And then I'm like, that's me. <laughs> and I'm like, subhanAllah. He mentioned the story. And then I, because I, I got Sheikh Bilal's number, I, 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 I said to him, Sheikh, Sheikh, Allahumma barik, like, you know, you shared this. He's like, I, yeah, I didn't know if you wanted to be said. I'm so sorry. If I, 
I know Sheikh Lai. Subhanallah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm honored that you. Because he was reluctant to give the name. Yeah, yeah, he, he was. was. He, he was, was very reluctant. He was very reluctant. He said, I'm He's not going to give much away. Allahu Akbar. Bilal has always been like that. So. Malar Wood. He's been a close friend and dear brother to us for a long time. Alhamdulillah. So when he said that, you know, I instantly shared this with Sister Nadra from Olive Tree Events and I said to her, look, listen, do you know who this the guy is in the video? He said, no, who? That's me. She said, no way. Obviously her, she got so excited uh, because obviously for her, now it's like, whoa, he lives in Melbourne. We're going to Melbourne first. Subhanallah. You know, and then the whole tour of the battle. Then she, then she asked me, tell me about your story. Like, how did this even happen? Subhanallah. A, a, a random auntie, Farida from Melbourne, <laughs> is sending you a video of Sheikh Bilal. But, but you were you the Sunnah guy then? I'm like, no, I was a nobody. I mean, I'm still a nobody. But the point being is back then, like, I was just some random kid in the UK. And and then she said, this is incredible. This is a story to tell because, you know, subhanAllah, like, it's come full circle now. Yeah. 11 years later. Yeah. You know, subhanAllah, I sat in the same chair as him. I spoke yesterday at the same masjid as him. Yeah. And then the day before that, I'm sitting to my right and my left and with the Auntie Frida and Sheikh Oh, yeah. my God. SubhanAllah. That was amazing, mashallah. Yeah. It's a great, the SubhanAllah, as Bilal said in that, uh, in that talk that subhanAllah that everyone's getting that hasanat along the way for the journey and subhanAllah we, 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 we've only been doing what this 19, 20, 20 episodes it's about 26 and weeks we, we got some of the hasanat subhanAllah you did subhanAllah. without a shadow of a doubt you know my yeah. editor he's been editing your clip for a very long time mashallah <laughs> and because you guys did that podcast yeah, and it was released this whole tour all came together. together Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Brothers. Allah, yeah, Allah. No, Alhamdulillah. Brother, Alhamdulillah. Brother, the aim of this retreat, the aim of this podcast is purely, inshallah, to inspire our brothers and sisters. Alhamdulillah. Inshallah, to show them that we have so many amazing brothers and sisters Amen. that have achieved success in so many different ways. As success is so, so diverse to so many different people. And inshallah, we can inspire our brothers and sisters worldwide, inshallah, Amen. to be able to see that, you know what I mean? And see the story because as Muslims, subhanAllah, we don't have many people to look up to. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we're lacking that a little bit. Yeah. We, there are some, but like we've never heard the real story. For example, like we had, we had like shukha people that you know that do not know who they like were, or even like Sheikh Bilal, for example. People didn't know the struggles he had in Lebanon. Yeah. Nobody knew about that because that's something he released to us in the yeah, podcast. You know, so people say, "Oh, I never knew that." You know, Bilal went through all that heartache in Lebanon and went to Lebanon and came back. Subhanallah. So mm. it's getting those really, you know. True mm-hmm. essence of challenges that we get through life that yeah. many people don't know because they're, not, they're never going to ask you, Oh, did you do this and that? And yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't know. And, and, I, and I think because you guys are like that, I think that's why Sheikh Barad opened up and he spoke about this story, Alhamdulillah, you know? Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Well, t- well, I think we'll take you now as a young chap. So tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, how many siblings, mum and dad, where you're from? Alhamdulillah. So, how old are you now? Yeah, yeah. So I'm 29 <laughs> now. Alhamdulillah. Married? Married. Alhamdulillah. Any kids? Uh, yeah, I have two kids. Uh, Adam, who's turning six, 24th of November, and Sumaya, who's turning four on the 12th of February. MashaAllah. So How long have you been married for? Been married since 2015. MashaAllah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So, yeah, I got married young. Alhamdulillah. Oh, that's good. Um, taking things back a little bit then. So, you know, I, I grew up in a family with uh, two other younger brothers who are twins. Mashallah. Both of them are at Medina University right now. Oh, wow. So they're both students of knowledge. Uh, I have a younger sister as well. She was 10 years younger than me, alhamdulillah. So uh, essentially we're a small family in, in High Wycombe, which is just outside London. This is just out, just about 20 minutes outside of West London. A lot of Muslims? Uh, we have about 20,000 Muslims. So not a lot of Muslims, but, you know, it's a fair, fair number. You know, it's growing, alhamdulillah. Okay. Um, 
grown up there, born and raised in the hospital there my whole life. And alhamdulillah, like, you know, I've grown up in Highwick my whole life. And it's been, uh, alhamdulillah, you know, uh, as you say, you guys speak about a lot about community. And that's kind of the, the, the theme of my life as well, because of growing up in a small town, small community. I'll come on to that later. But as a young child, um, who grew up in a large household with my aunties, all my dad's sisters. My dad's got six, seven sisters. I don't know how many, but he's got six or seven sisters, right? Allah, Allah, Allah. I grew up with them, etc. Uh, and they would often watch Bollywood. You know Bollywood? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know Bollywood, right? Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> the fly and the fly, they jump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now they're doing action. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Subhanallah, they are. So <laughs> Bollywood. Uh, we used to watch that. We used to watch that. Me and my auntie, my aunties would take me into their rooms, and we used to watch Bollywood. So I was into films and movies and theatricals and dramas and stuff like that. Except from a young age, I'm talking two, three, four, five years old. Really small, right? Um, as I grew older, my dad discovered the deen. So he started practicing the religion. Wow. No one was praying in my household. No one. Wow. No one's on the deen or whatsoever. My grandma would pray Juman, you know, open the Quran once in Ramadan and then basically that was it. Wow. Um, so they migrated or was your grandfather migrated? My grandfather migrated. Um, Do you know why? He migrated because he was living in an area called Mirpur in Pakistan. And from there, basically, they came because there was needed factory workers. Wow. Probably after the World War, there was uh, not, not, no one to work in the factories because obviously right. everyone's gone. Uh, everyone went to the war. So they needed that industrial revolution happen. And my grandfather migrated. Alhamdulillah, settled in the UK. Married here? Married in the Married UK? From Pakistan. Married from Pakistan. Oh, brought, brought his wife over. Oh, wow. She's my grandma. Uh, that's how we're here. And your, your grandparents were, reside where you are currently at? Or? Yeah, my grandfather lives in our house. Allah 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 Allah. Allah. He's with us. Amazing. He's 93, 94. MashaAllah, up along him, ya Rabbi. Long innings. Alhamdulillah. So um, we grew up in that household. And uh, from there, what ended up happening was um, my, gra- my father discovered Islam. Like he started practicing. But my father was very, very strict. You know, so he was a very, very strict father. And he was essentially. Um, you could say a bit too strict, you know, because he, he he discovered it and for him it was everything. My father's an all or nothing type of guy. Right? Mm. And so then he went really, really hard, like, <laughs> uh, which put the pressure on me a little bit because now I'm seven, eight years old. Wow. And, you know, it's like... We've and got, the oldest boy. I'm the oldest boy, a lot of responsibility. Mm. We've got like little Nintendo computer games and he's <laughs> crossing the eyes out because he doesn't want the eyes to pictures to be seen in the house. <laughs> you, know what, you know what type yeah, of yes, guy, yes, person yes, I'm talking yes, about, yes, right? Yes, yes, um, And basically, you know, no, no, no images in the house, no nothing, just, uh, you know, really just... No TV? We had TV, yeah, TV, right? Uh, but, you know, it was like literally like, you know, I was like young. I thought this was, this was my life now, you know? So just... just in a sense, you know, uh, deprived from what most of the kids have. I go to, um, so then from from that young age, remember now you've got me with the drama and the films of my aunties. Aunties have all moved out now. We're in the home with my father now. So we've got our home. Aunties have all gone. They've all got their own places. We're now basically me and my family together now. Now, you know, my dad can really kind of, you know, whip me into shape. Mm. So, you know, he, he gets me to pray five times a day from the age of seven. Allah. Wow. But the way it happened was it happened very abruptly because my dad started practicing very quickly and then it was like a sudden change. So for me, it wasn't something done from the heart. Mm, it was a shock. It was a shock, right? Uh, and because you have to remember then I'm with my aunties, I'm always sneaking out sometimes, I'm waiting for when they're going to come pick me up and you know when we're going to go listen to some Bollywood. And, you know. But then there's my dad here now who's practicing the religion. So you've got a conflict, you've got a little pull happening. Yeah. Um, 
as I grow older, I'm remember I've watched all these movies now. I know a little bit about love and relationships and these sort of things. The innocence is taken away a little bit. So as I enter year four, which is I think the age of like eight or whatever, etc., yeah, yeah. I start to you know uh, write, write little love, love notes to girls in school, and you know I'm just, <laughs> I'm just getting really kind of you know uh, immersed in. I'm thinking that you know I need I need to fall in love, I need a relationship, I like this girl, and Subhanallah. at a young age, like, I'm yes, the only one uh, in school doing this, yes, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, romantic. Oh yeah, being romantic, you could say absolutely. You know? It was a bloody Bollywood. <laughs> it was. You know, it does All something. All the aunties. Listen, listen, listen it does something to you, I'm telling you. <laughs> you know? Um, and subhanAllah, so then what, what ends up happening is, is that, you know, it's a conflict because my, on one hand, and I remember this very clearly, in, in high school I wrote a love note to a girl. Uh, you know, I was eight years old. And, and then my father came into school and there was a problem and my teacher, he looked at me, he's like, I'm not going to tell your dad. Wow. Thank you so much You know I fixed up a little bit Anyway going to secondary school Now high school um, You know All I'm doing is Just girls And you know Trying to I'm listening to music Behind my dad's back My dad said no music whatsoever oh. Very strict um, We go to You were at the forefront of that Your younger brothers weren't My younger brothers weren't My younger brothers are twins They're innocent wow. now Because you know They listen to dad yeah, yeah, Because yeah. they haven't been With the whole Bollywood thing mm. they, they, they weren't born then right They were like And mum Mum's always been a housewife, simple, mum's defended us, you know, mum's kind of protected us from getting beaten up by dad and these sort of things, <laughs> <laughs> right? So mum's there, but mum's a very softy. Yeah, yeah? Like every mum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like right. our mums. Yeah, just got a different type of heart, right? Yeah. Anyway, uh, secondary school, high school, I get involved in loads of different relationships with girls and I'm now putting myself out there and I'm just basically like doing drama, doing music. Obviously, all of it starts from when you're young. Yeah. And I didn't know why I liked it, but then I realized, well, hold on a minute. I, when I'm from young, I always like music and drama and these sort of things. So now I'm learning how to dance. I'm, wow. Uh, I'm, yeah, I went, I went to a little dance school. I did a performance in front of my whole school. Did the Michael Jackson, you know, <laughs> phase and everything, right? Beatboxing. Did you have the jacket? <laughs> I had the jacket. <laughs> And Anyone who's Michael Jackson always say, "Did you get the jacket?" Gloves, so man, I'm the, like, gloves, the gloves and the yeah, jacket. Come on, you know the cap. I mean, it was it was all there. It was all hidden. It was all hidden. I didn't. I, I mean, when my dad asked me, "Why do you have this cap?" I'm like, "Looks cool, right?" I didn't really want to give anything away. <laughs> I did the whole uh, dancing, body popping, all that sort of stuff. Oh, anyway. Wow. Um, and then from there, what ends up happening is uh, because of that, I get bullied at school. Because you know mm. when there's a kid that's just dance, he's he's dancing, he's romantic, he's he, he, he he's good in drama, he does these sort of things, etc. Yeah. I wasn't good in education, but I was good at this sort of stuff, right? Yeah. The other boys, because they don't, they can't do that. They just start bullying. They start picking on you. Call right? the topo syndrome. What? Yeah, I mean, look, look. We, in our community, we have this an area of Pakistan called Mirpur. You can call the kind of. You could say the kind of the ragamuffins, the guys that are kind of rough and tough. Mm. You know, mm. they they have this area in our town, and they they don't. They, I mean, this guy was he's like, who is he, man? Like dancing and drama. <laughs> he's Pakistani, but he's not like that. You know. Yeah. So I started hanging out with some of the whites, the blacks, etc. In my school, um, and because of that, I was I was always conscious of those who would be bullied, and I back them. So what would happen is that those guys that were getting bullied, we have this guy called Peter, in our school. Now, granted, he didn't smell the best, but though when the Pakistanis bullied him, I always stood up for him. Hello. Even though he wasn't my friend, I just stood up. I said, why are you hitting him for no reason? And, I, and I, I'm 13, 14 at the time. 
this isn't right. Like you can't just what? How, how how does your conscience allow you to hit somebody just like that? Just kick his bag and has he mm-hmm. done anything anything to you? And because I'd stand up for him, it's like now now we're going to come after you basically. Yeah. Right? And they, you know, guys would move in packs and stuff. What like was that. the predominant uh, breakdown of uh, nationalities at the school? It was I'd say about seventy percent Pakistani. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you'd yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you'd have like twenty percent white and blacks. And then ten percent, you'd have like. Were they predominantly practicing Muslims? Or? Not a single practicing Muslim. Juma prayer was one or two people, and you know, there's nothing no. happening wow. in terms of deen. Non-existent. So pretty, pretty second, first, second generation in, in, in you, late second generations, mm. yeah, and mm. early third generation. Yeah. How did you find that sense of justice? Like, what made you sort of go? You know what? I can't stand for this. Like, I will stand up for. To be just, so, yeah, so yeah, you, yeah. you 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 seeing that guy, yeah. right? So yeah. you, you, you had that in the call. We all know yeah. that if we stand up for justice, mm-hmm. people will say, "Hey, mm. what are you doing, man?" Like you know, what I mean, people are going to attack you. you gonna cut you they're going to cut you. Like you know, we've been there. I've been there. We've been. You know, uh, for me, it was like my mom telling me, "Ahmed, no matter what happens, <laughs> stand up for what is correct and what is honest and what is true." And that always resonated in my mind. What was it about you that uh-huh. did that? For example, I think yeah. So if I'm thinking a little bit deeper now. I would say probably mum, dad, dad obviously being religious, teaching, trying to teach me the religion. Now, when he would teach me the religion, it would kind of go in one out in one ear, out the other. But then, just the dust of it remains with you. Like yeah. you just you have you still have that little bit of conscious that at home my father's a practicing person, my mum was niqab. You know, they're like they're, they're honourable people, mm. they're, they're, and no one else had that in my whole school. No one else. Um, no one else's parents were practicing the religion or praying or anything like that, etc. Wow. So what ended up happening then was that I, I guess it was more so just innate within your character rather than something that, you know, uh, you have to think too much about like what, you know, it was just something my parents, I guess, ingrained. But they didn't really tell me to be just and it was more so they're practicing, they're religious, they have something of honor at home, which is Islam. Even though I didn't follow Islam and I didn't practice Islam and I would lie to my parents and tell them that I prayed, but I haven't prayed. You know, you just know that maybe one day I will be a practicing Muslim. Maybe one day I will be on my deen. And I guess from that, I just didn't allow injustice to happen. I just oh, felt, wow. you know what, this is not right, man. Alhamdulillah. Amazing, amazing. Because subhanAllah, like, yeah. you see so many brothers, even like Muslims, and that, mm-hmm. and I've seen that sort of diverse range where some, some will just say, you know, I don't care. I'll give up everything to be just with people. And yeah. Some people will say, you know what, I can't afford to lose my friends. I'm willing to compromise. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we've seen that within the community. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And I think from there, what ended up happening was I developed something in my psyche unconsciously that I don't have to do what everyone else does. I'm, I'm comfortable. And okay, there's one more thing that happened. I need to tell you the story about the omelette sandwich, right? Omelette sandwich. You need, and you need to hear about the omelette <laughs> sandwich. Okay. So in year four or five, here's what ended up happening. I was in school and we were told by our teacher to bring in a sandwich to school. It was, I don't know, National Sandwich Day, I don't know, something like that, right? So everyone has to bring in a sandwich uh, and we have to do a taste test and then they vote the best, right? So I tell my mum, like, you know, mum, we need to cook, make a sandwich. Can we make a what, what can we do, whatever, et cetera. She, my mum's like, well, what do you want me to do? I don't know, like, you know, what was, I said, I'm just, I don't know, tune or something, just whatever, just play it safe, you know? <laughs> anyway, what ends up happening is the next day I wake up and my mum, did you make the sandwich? I said, no, bread's going to go bad if I make it. I'm like, okay, can you make something quickly? Like, you know, I have to do it, I have to do it. She cooks an omelette and she puts it in the sandwich 
And then she says to me, you know, I'm like, no, no, what? no, 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 this, I don't want egg. Why you, who puts egg in a sandwich, right? <laughs> so anyway, there's not enough time now. My mom's like, you're going to get late for school. Allah, <sighs> I'm thinking, what is this, man? I go to school. With an omelette sandwich. With an omelette sandwich. <laughs> it's time. For, and I'm just, I'm thinking, how can I escape the school gates? I just don't want to be seen with an omelette sandwich. Because just the word omelette itself sounds weird. Uh, right? And as a kid, it's all about being cool. Yes, yes. It comes time for the... The, the sandwich test or the sandwich tasting thing, right? And you have to break up your sandwiches, etc., and, and give it to different people. And what ends up happening is everyone's, the teacher's going around the class. Mrs. Garrett, I remember her name. She's going around saying, okay, what are your sandwiches? So tell me what, what bread and what's inside your sandwich. And Stacy is like, you know, I've got white bread, you know, salmon and cheese. And, you know, you've got another guy who's like, you know, brown bread, tuna and sweet corn. Someone like, you know, uh, oatmeal, uh, oatmeal, oat, oat bread or whatever, etc. And we've got cheese and we've got something, I don't know, whatever. Everyone's just playing it safe. It sounds great, right? And then me, comes to my turn, I'm like... White bread, uh, right? <laughs> so I basically just mum, mumble it, mumbled the omelette. Um, 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 no, I don't want to get it out, right? <laughs> but that made it worse because my teacher said, "Say it properly." <laughs> so, so then I said, "White bread and an omelette," right? And the class did laugh, right? And that's what I was. That's what I was scared of. Then what ended up happening is the taste test happened. So they go around tasting everyone's etc., and there ends up being like this kind of like herd and crowd around me mm. tasting mine and then what ends up happening is is that the votes came in and when they voted it was a landslide and mine was the best wow and from that day i learned something massive i learned that if you do the same thing that everyone does you're going to get the same results that everyone gets if you do something different you're going to get something different don't limit yourself based upon what everyone else does because they're all playing it safe in life. Yeah. But if you simply step out and if you simply take a small risk, yes, you may sound stupid initially, but eventually mm. everyone will aspire to be like you because they are restricted and they look up to you. SubhanAllah. And from that day, it changed my perspective on making sure to stand out and making sure that there's nothing wrong with being different. There's nothing wrong with actually doing something that others aren't doing. Yeah. So I guess maybe that helped as well. That story was very. I wasn't expecting that to be yeah. honest. Yeah, you know, when I said omelet sandwich, you're thinking, how is it gonna? But now it's a delicacy. They're all doing egg, egg omelets yeah, for yeah, yeah, breakfast. Subhanallah. just shows you how such in, uh, such a small thing can change your world. Well, it's so important that these lessons, these life yeah, lessons, yeah, yeah, yeah. That Allah's part, and again, these are all from Allah's part that paving the way mm-hmm. for our growth and understanding Allah. We never, we never understand or we never know where and what could be a catalyst in your life and which direction you could go, you know, subhanAllah. So these things, I think, as especially as Muslims, I think thinking and reflecting deeply is very, very important yeah, for us, you know, yeah. and, and these sort of things really, really helped, alhamdulillah. So I go through that phase where I'm still now dancing, hanging out with girls, etc. And then still... Can I, can I ask just yeah, that? Yeah, sure, 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 Now sure. you're in high school and these things are happening. Are you are you obviously Ramadan time, dad's mm. fasting? What's happening there? Brilliant. Take, take me through that because, you know, I had a very similar story where you're fasting. Are you truly fasting from the heart? Where are you at mentally? You're doing all these things. Well, I think Can you the, take us through there? Yeah, of course. I think the inevitable is that even when it comes to prayer. So I, I, I remember being young, my dad waking me up for Fajr. And I'm, you know, I'm 11, 12 years old, right? But my dad is like, you know, Shadid's strict, harsh. 
So he's waking me up for Fajr. And what ends up happening is that I wake up, I splash my face, I, and I go up, go back upstairs, and then I go back to sleep. Just in case my dad sees me, I have to have some water, just so he smells I'm doing wudu. Oh, uh, fasting, again, I didn't really fast properly ever in my, my life, uh, oh. because, again, you're just cheating behind your dad's back. You know, it's just, Islam was something that my dad did and he forced upon us, and it was like I was just really resenting it. Because of that pressure, I was always someone that wanted to express myself and, you know, like do dance and music and these sort of things. And then friends didn't help either, you know. Uh, no one around me is practicing. There's no positive influence in my life, etc. at the time. So what ends up happening for me at that stage is, you know, and by the way, all of this will tie into what happened with Sheikh Bilal. Bilal yes. right, wallahi, this this quick question, sorry, and I love yeah, that. Sure, sure, sure. saying that. So was it that feeling you didn't want to be a hypocrite doing it just because your dad told you? Is that one reason that you didn't do it? Um, I would uh, no, no. I didn't have that level of consciousness. Actually, I would say that it was more so the fact that um, I just didn't want to listen to my father because I didn't want to be restricted. I felt that the religion was restricting me, Love. and then I thought to myself, maybe one day, twenty six, twenty seven, do Hajj. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could get on my dean then. You know, wow. I could start practicing Islam then. You know, mm. uh, it sounds about right. On touching on that, the restriction, because I totally agree with you from from a youth perspective, everything's haram. Everything we touch is haram. So, you know, Bollywood, haram. (laughs) Music, haram. So all these things, I I, I totally agree. At at that age, if 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 your fundamentals are not there and understanding why you do what you do, it can tend to be like, you know, you're caging me. You're not allowing me to breathe. And I, I only say that because, because now you're a father mm. and you've got kids yourself. Yes, 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 you know, yes. what would you tell that junior self that majority, a lot of our kids are in this space. What would you tell that young? You know, subhanAllah, I, I, I look at it now and I just think that my environment was just not helping me whatsoever. But you can't always blame your environment. You, know, you have to sometimes take some accountability. But the thing is, a child at that age isn't thinking on that level. We're just not program to think more about our lives and it's just about having fun and having these sort of things so for me it would just be a case of you know I, I my father he was always working so he was always out always busy and it was never a case that my dad could sit down with me and explain things to me but if I had the opportunity now I would sit down with my son and try to explain things try to break things down try to open him up a little bit try to be more vulnerable try to probe and ask open-ended questions those are some of the things that I do you know with my father you know may Allah SWT bless him but you know he he is uh, he's the son of you know my, you know his own dad who's uneducated as well so we never really had that kind of academic prowess whatsoever we were working class we're kind of living in a poor area in in, in our town nothing mm-hmm. nothing really going for us it's you know um so my dad didn't have time to sit down and explain things to me mm. um and so then what ended up happening is subhanallah some around about the age of 14 i then um my dad st- I said to my dad, I want to play football because I was a good footballer. I was the best footballer in my school. So I said to my dad, like, That's uh, soccer in Australia. Just <laughs> so, in case yeah, sorry, knows. sorry. Soccer in Australia. Right. <laughs> we call it uh, soccer, yeah. Soccer, yeah, sorry. <laughs> you got to get the lingo. Just uh, in case no, they, no, no. there's no football in uh, the UK. They got soccer too. That's, <laughs> that's it. But listen, all you guys watch the Premier League, so don't yeah, come to me with that. Yeah, right? That's true. That's true. So um, anyway. Uh, I said to, like, you know, I said to my dad, you know, 
Uh, mm. My dad, he went religious, very religious. So from the age of 20, so my dad, he used to play for the Wickham Wanderers youth team, which is our local town youth team, right? Oh, wow. But he never had the opportunity to play. He was one of the best footballers in his town. If you could say arguably the best Asian footballer that ever played in our town. Oh, right? wow. So my father was exceptionally good at football. Um, I, w- I wasn't as good as him, if you know, if you could say like from a flair perspective, I was more physically better, but you know, my father was a lot better in terms of his own kind of skill and flair. Anyway, my dad stopped playing football because he started practicing the religion for those six years from the age of 28 to the age of 36. Then what ended up happening is at the end of that, you know, I started to basically want, I wanted to play football now. So I started playing for a football club. Now my dad, he went, he went on eBay. He started looking for football boots for me. And then as he starts looking for football boots for me, you know, he gets the bug now. He wants to buy some for himself, <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. So he, so then what that does is that my dad then basically buys foot, his own football boots, but he's got nowhere to play. So he rings up some of his old boys, say, you lads, are you still playing footy, etc.?" And he starts training with them. Then he starts playing football. Then he starts joining the team again. Then he starts playing. And then his kind of like, his beard gets shorter and he's no longer going to like the masjid as much. And he's no longer hanging out with the Islamic brothers as much. And like he's slowly wow. now, like it's six, seven years in. Like, and my dad is just like kind of, you know, that gassing out a little bit. Just yeah, kind of, because you yeah. can't keep that intensity up so much. Yes, that's right. right? It's very, very hard. Very it's a whole strict, harsh thing. Intensity is difficult, right? You eventually like, you know, life takes over. And, and so then well, as my dad starts to kind of let go a little bit, I see that these restrictions are no longer as sharp on me, right? Now, this is coming to the end of my kind of school years. I'm 15 now. Um, and then what ends up happening is that I basically, uh, when I turned 15, just before I turned 16, I get into a relationship with a non-Muslim girl. Uh, and this non-Muslim girl is a Hindu. And what ends up happening with her is that, you know, I, I think for the first time in my life, like I'm, I've got a serious relationship. I mean, I'm 16 now, right? Come on, you know, I'm, I'm no longer 13, I'm 16, you know? So at the time as a kid, you know, you grow too fast, right? You're going very, very quickly. Each year's, you know, you know, it's like you see it like 15 to 16. Oh, I'm much older now, you know. Mm. But um, everyone else is doing it too. <laughs> uh, exactly, exactly, exactly. I mean, look, look. So for me, it was like everyone else was having these haram relations, whatever, etc. It's very easy for me. I get into this relationship with this girl, uh, and then you know, I kind of I thought I was in love. My mother basically caught me speaking to her. So you know, as normally the ritual, pray fajr, go downstairs, splash your face, come back upstairs. <laughs> And as I'm in my bed, I'm on the I'm, I'm I'm on the phone to this girl. I just I don't embarrass myself, but you know, what you say like, hey, you know, baby, all these sort of things, right? <laughs> my mum was about to walk into my room, but then she stands at the door and she listens. She hears everything. She hears everything, and for the first time since year four, I get caught. Wow! I get caught, and now my mum is panicking. Who are you talking to? Who's that girl you were talking to? Wow. I said, Mom, nobody, nobody, nobody. And then she said, No, tell me who you're talking to. I said, I was talking to my auntie. Talking to my auntie, right? I was close to my auntie at <laughs> the time, right? And you know, there's my, aunties. May Allah bless them. But <laughs> Allah bless them. They, they got Allah, you in a lot of trouble. They, into, they used to cover up for me. That's they so all funny. knew, by the way. Do they have kids themselves? I, so, yeah, some of them have kids. Oh. But they all knew that I had this girlfriend. Uh, I told all of them. Subhanallah. You know, they, they would kind of be like, okay, listen, here's what you say to her. And don't talk to her like this and whatever, etc. Like, you know, uh, because for them, no one was practicing the religion. Except mm. my dad and, you know, my mom. Mm. Uh, anyway, so what ends up happening is that I say, I'm talking to my auntie. So what, you're telling your auntie things like that? Yeah? 
And then I'm like, oh crap, did she hear the whole conversation? Oh no. It started you put getting, your foot in yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, one lie leads to another, leads to another. And then my wife, then my mum goes to my father and then she starts screaming. I go up to them and then I, and then my mum and dad say to me, who was that girl? Who was that girl? And then I burst out. It's like years of release for the first time ever. I tell my parents, I'm like, you don't know what love is. You don't know. You would never know, understand what love is. You know, you don't know what I'm going through. You know, I'm just throwing a big tantrum just because, you know, when you get caught, all you want to do is just deflect. Yeah, right? you, yeah, you know, yeah. if you scream and shout, right, they, they won't go on to right. you so hard. Anyway, my parents then for the first time, like my dad's shocked. My dad didn't say anything. I was surprised, right? Um, but remember, he's gassing off as well a little mm. bit. My dad's getting a lot easier now. Now what ends up happening is, is that I have to kind of confess to the girl now. I tell her, my mom caught me. So, you know, this is what's going to happen. Then my mom asked me, my mom asked me, what's her name? And I say her name, mom, that's not a Muslim name. Ooh. I say, she's a Hindu. And my mom screams. Yeah, my mom's like, oh my God, my son, and she's a Hindu. And <laughs> I'm just like, subhanAllah, I've just shattered her dreams. I'm like, if you want to get married, we'll get you married. No problem. But she has to be Muslim. Anyway. Um, and because remember, it's a shock for them. Because for them, they think I'm praying every day. They think I'm practicing. They think that, you know, I'm on the deen and these sort of things, etc. But they don't know that teenagers are the best liars on planet Earth. Mm. Uh, and, we'll, and, you know, we'll come back to this when it comes to lessons with children and stuff like yeah, that as well. Very, but important. very, very important. So then what ends up happening <clears throat> is that I say to the girl, listen. Uh, we need to get married. Are you alright? Like you know, <laughs> we're still figuring this whole love thing out, right? You know. And I said, no, we have to get married. I, I, she said, yeah, but hold on, you're a Muslim. I said, yeah, you have to convert to Islam. And she says, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I said, how? I'm like, baby, how come you can't do that? Like, why can't you do that? Like, come on, this and that, blah. blah. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I've, I'm caught between a rock and a hard place now. What do I do? You know, on one hand, my parents now know they're no longer letting me out. They've confiscated my laptop. You know, uh, like I'm like I'm conflicted. I'm falling into depression. I'm falling sad, and I'm just wow. listening to these emotional songs, and I'm just like feeling sad. And it's cold winter blues in in the UK, and it's like January time, very cold and horrible, man. I'm just I'm just really going through the feelings and the emotions. And I say to her, you know what? All right, let me let me tell you more about Islam, but I don't know much about Islam. So I go into Google and I type in how to convert Hindu to Islam. Oh, wow. And guess who's the first person that comes up? Dr. Zakir Naik. Wow. Dr. Zakir Naik comes up. Yes. This man, Dr. Zakir Naik, we would watch him on Peace TV. I don't know if you guys remember. Yes, yes, yes. Peace TV. TV. My mum used to watch Peace TV. I used to walk through our lounge, our living area. And my mum would say, I want you to be like him. I would go into the kitchen and I would laugh my head off thinking, this guy, my God, I wouldn't be seen dead like doing what he's doing. That's a weirdo, man, you know? Allah, Allah. And my mum my used to just make dua. She said, inshallah, one day. I mean, because my mum didn't really know that I was on a bad path. She knew a little bit, but she knew more than my dad. My dad thought that I'm the angel, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a good kid. But I would say in disgust, like, never this kid, the, uh, this this Dr. Zakanai, man, <laughs> who the hell is he? Anyway, I'm on Google. I'm on, I go on YouTube, how to convert a Hindu to Islam. He starts saying things like the Quran has miracles. The Quran is the word of God. This is the miracle of the Quran, the scientific miracle, and this and that. I'm reading this. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, is this religion actually true? Subhanallah. For the first time in my life now, I've actually discovered that Islam is true. And by this time, I've forgotten about the girl. 
You converted yourself? I've converted myself. SubhanAllah. And for the first time in my life, I'm, I had this Quran in my bedroom. But I'm telling you, the, the, the thick layer of dust that was on there, I wiped it and like it was all over my face. And I remember wiping it off. Allah. And I took this Quran down and I just started reading it, thinking, hold on, is this what Dr. Zakir Naik is talking about? And then this girl, I tell her about Islam. I tell her and I say to her, listen, like, you know, ch check this out, check these videos out, etc. And I, Wallahi, I remember it so clearly. And she just said, you know, I'm not going to convert, not going to convert. I'm going to stay in the ridge of my mom, blah, 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 this and that. I'm saying, listen, to hell with you then. You know, I've got, I've discovered something and I'm busy discovering and learning about this. And wow. as I learn more and more, I read the Quran more. I'm reading the Quran every day now. I'm going through it and I'm 16 now. I just turned, just turned 16. Um, and then basically what ends up happening is I fall extremely ill. I have food poisoning, really bad food poisoning. And then after that, I'm just like, subhanAllah, I need Allah in my life. So now you've got the intellectual conviction. And now there's like this spiritual humility that's coming out of me because I'm extremely sick. And then I say to Allah, Ya Allah, I will never miss a prayer in my life. And from that day, end of February, beginning of March of 2010, I have never missed a single prayer. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. By Allah's grace. That, that's your mum's dua, subhanAllah. I tell our mothers, subhanAllah, it is unbelievable. Amen. The power of the dua of the mother. Amen. We have a lot of young chaps. Wallahi, we have a lot of young chaps out there that are, you know, again, lost, identity crisis, you know, you know, again, you know, connecting with that bad environment. And I tell the mother, subhanAllah, Wallahi, you have something that is so powerful, which is your dua for your children. You do not know when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grab that. And I say, Wallahi, you know, for me, that looks like it's your mum's dua. Like, you yeah. know, you well, couldn't well, even fathom it, could you? You really. But subhanAllah, our mothers, Wallahi, yeah. our mother's power is. Because even in our lives, like my life story, close friends that were Muslim, mm. the ones, because I used to go to their house, their parents were cursing them. My household was the opposite. Uh -huh. It was never the curse. Mm -hmm. It was always Allah yeah. That's so, it's so a different uh, perspective. And it, it changes things. Wallah, I just want, especially the parents that are listening to this, even if your children are in dark places making mistakes, that dua is so yeah. important. Yeah. Like, subhanAllah, we hear that so much from our mothers that are so angry with their children yeah. because they're going, that they have a choice to. Like to do mm -hmm. on there, say this kid is the my worst, you know. He's is yeah. the he's embarrassing <laughs> the, the, the our family. One in our Arabic <laughs> may he, but your children may curse like you. They don't stop oh, there because serious? they want well, the punishment well, well, of what you're giving me. I hope your kid does oh that to you. God. You, oh, you just don't do that. No, 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 some of them say, Inshallah, your kids show you how I feel. Oh yes, my God. Like, for example, do you know what I mean? Like they they want to they want them to understand how they feel. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So they they do it in that way. Yeah, not not intentionally, but of course, of course, but just out of anger, out of you know. That you know, isn't there's like a beautiful innocence in our mothers from like you know from back home, etc. Who they don't know much, but you know it's just the humility in their And wallahi, I would I would remember my mum in tahajjud, just be making dua from, and I could hear her sometimes, you know, and she would make these duas and and subhanallah, I, I don't want to get emotional, but just before the day before I come here, you know the intro video that was played before I came on stage the other day. Me and my mom watched that video together and we just shared a moment and hugged and cried. And that's why she said, I remember. I remember all of this.
Right, no, yeah, I she, did the same thing coming here. It's called my mum. Said, "Mum, make <laughs> dua for us." Allah. So Allah. I ask my mum all the time to make dua for us. Amen. At this day, like even this morning, I did. Allah. Because without mum's dua, we have nothing. Allah. Allah. Subhanallah. And I'm just reflecting and thinking, subhanallah, my mother would make this dua for me all the time and she would say, I want you to be like, she said, I want you to be an Islamic speaker and I want you to give dawa like Dr. Zakarnaik, you know. And so imagine I'm just there laughing at her. I wouldn't laugh at her face. Yes, I'd yes, go yes. away and I'm like, it's not even the scope of things, mum. I live in you. <laughs> and subhanallah. And then what ends up happening is I, I then start practicing Islam. I have a group of friends now because I got bullied from the Pakistani group. I'm now hanging out with some of the whites and the blacks and some other Pakistanis, some of the good kids. They're kind of like a like, little bit nerdy. You know, they're not really <laughs> the cool kids, right? Just to, before we move on to yeah, that, sure, sure, sorry. Sure. Like what was that darkest moment that you had in that time? Like, but I guess my darkest moment would definitely be when I broke up with a girl. And at this point, she didn't want to become Muslim. And I was still discovering Islam and watching these videos, but then I just had this sense of heartbreak. That uh, that initial phase where basically she said, no, she doesn't want to come back to Islam. And there was like a little break between her saying, no, I don't want to convert to Islam and me discovering Islam. Wow. So that break there, that gap there, my God, couldn't eat anything, didn't want to speak to anyone, crying every day, just feeling like there's no hope feeling darkness, feeling nothing in your life because you're heartbroken that this girl doesn't want to be with you and you can't be with her. You invested so much time with this girl and you brought her all these presents with all the money, that Eid money that you saved up, etc. (laughs) So much, you know. Anyway. How how long were you with her? I was with her for six months. Six months this all happened? Yeah. You'd you'd say in your mind then was your first love kind of thing? Absolutely, because every girl before that was just basically, you're young, you're a kid, you know what I mean? It's nothing really... Substance. Serious, and because she lived out of town as well, it meant that the distance kind of used to, oh. you know, all the other girls were in town, and it was just like we'd meet in the park and whatever, etc. But this girl was out of town, so this girl was basically the one who like this, you know, you have to work for it a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> challenged. Yeah, when you challenge a little bit, you kind of really want it more, right? So, so yeah, it, it it was like that, you know. Um, and 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 then Subhanallah, that phase was very difficult. And then when I really started to learn about Islam, and it kind of really filled that void. Amazingly wow. So that was the darkest phase And I still remember that day I still going up to my cousin And saying to him Bro I can't carry on man I feel suicidal I feel horrible bro I, I don't know what to do man My parents caught me And they're not took, they take my laptop away now I feel like my life's over I feel, Wow I mean when you're young you're, You exaggerate things But yeah. You know you just So many youngsters today Are going through these feelings yeah, Because they, they They think that this is the end of their life Kind of thing you know mm. um, and, and, and I would often sleep away my sorrows I just go to sleep Wow. Um, but subhanAllah, that was very difficult, man. And, and alhamdulillah, you know. What was your coping mechanism then? My coping mechanism was hanging out with my friends. That's what I would do. I go hang out with my friends. I go to the library. We're studying for our GCSEs at the time. I don't know if you guys have GCSEs, but we basically do like a, uh, in, year, in year 11. Year 12, yeah. yeah BCE, yeah. we call it. Call that's it. BCE, yeah. yeah, that's it, right? So your last year exam. So basically, they were all studying for that. And so was I. But they were all revising and I would go there and hang out in the library and just cry to them. I remember the, some of these boys still not remember it. I would go to the library and I'd cry. I'd listen to sad music, all these sort of things. SubhanAllah. Um, so in your own head? In my own head, yeah. Just, you're just oh. always just lost. SubhanAllah, I just want to touch on that. Look, a lot of youth that, that we speak to, SubhanAllah, what tends to happen is 
it's like the the blind leading the blind because they go to another sixteen year old asking for advice <laughs> in relation to relationships, <laughs> and he's in the same boat. He's he's in the same place. Yeah, uh, we we talk about that with so many of our podcasts um, that that having the right elders advice. Allah. How important is that if you had Oof. that around you at that time? Man, I, that will change everything. Having just a, a a calming voice would have helped massively, because all you're trying to do you're in an echo chamber. So when you go to some of these other youngsters, they're gonna tell you, "Nah, bro, don't worry, man, go get another girl." You know, it's start stupid things like that. You know, um, so there was no real good advice around me. No. I had one good friend, and he was good. He didn't say too much, but you know, he was my best friend. But he didn't really do much bad himself. But he didn't really have much great advice to give me. Like you, just simple, same as me. But you know. I, I held on to these friends Like I thought these were my boys now Because there's like an attachment to them now yeah. Because obviously they helped me get through my little phase yeah, yeah, yeah. But now I'm practicing the religion So now March comes in And I'm practicing the religion And we've got about another three months left of school Four months left of school now And now is this really strange phase Where I'm praying at break times I'm going to the Jummah prayer None of them are And I'm kind of like learning about the religion a little bit and these guys are at school and they're just slowly taking the mick out of me as well. And I thought these were my friends that would not bully me or not. Like they took me in from when I was getting bullied a few years earlier. But now what's happening is they're all kind of making jokes as well. Um, and so then we have something called the prom, the leavers, your last event yeah. in school, yes, right? Yeah. We have it too. That's it, right. So, so what ends up happening? Not anymore. It's not as much. Yeah, not yeah. as much yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. The, the prom. Yeah, the, yeah. So, so. <laughs> Uh, I didn't want to go with them because they were going. They we hired a limousine, uh, and then we basically were going to go and they were going to blast music, out drive into London, smoke some shisha, whatever. It was like your final <laughs> thing, right? Now the thing is, is that we planned this months and months in advance. Around about February time, we all planned this as mates. Now I had my realization. I started changing around about March, and then you know these guys, they basically really pushed me to come. I didn't want to go, but you know they were like, you know, no, you have to come, you have to come, you have to come. I said, as long as I can pray, I'm happy. As long as I can pray, I'm happy. And I remember on my prom, on my leave, I was praying on the grass turf there before we, while we were waiting for the limousine to turn up. I was the only one I was praying wow. there. And then what ended up happening is that they um, we went to London. They were blasting music in the car in the limousine, just like you know some of the guys would from the other limousine, from the other gangs and other crew. We would all meet up in London, and they. For the first time, these young Pakistani kids are just getting drunk. They're smoking weed for the first time and they're doing all this rubbish. Um, and subhanAllah, for me, like, I'm thinking, what the hell? This is ridiculous, man. I don't want to do this. I don't like any of this stuff. Oh. And then we'd come back just before, uh, so around Fajr time. I said, I need to be home for Fajr. These boys didn't drop me off because they were all worried about the paying the fee, the late fee for the limousine. Because the limousine driver, i got to get home as well, right? Wow. So they dropped me off 25-minute walk away from my home. And I missed Fajr that day and I went home and I cried in sujood and I said, Ya Allah, forgive me for missing the prayer. And then I had this resentment for my friends. I just like, they they made me miss Salah. And I didn't see them after that because that's it. Like, you know, you just, you've left now, right? Wow. And then that summer I spent all by myself. So the next two or three months, all by myself alone. And that's when I just started watching Dr. Zakir Naik and, I, and there was Ramadan as well. I, I, didn't, I didn't have any friends at the time. Like, cause yeah, remember, you're 18 now? I'm 16. Still 16? Yeah. So leaving school, this is the last year of school. Oh, wow. No friends whatsoever. Nobody around me. And then like, 
I don't know how to worship. I'm just like listening to some Sami Yusuf Nasheeds in Ramadan and just, just going like this. And I'm thinking I'm getting closer to Allah. I don't know what I was doing, you know, just, wow. just a little kid. No local masjid, no. So there's a local masjid, but it's a traditional Pakistani type of masjid. Oh. So it was like loads of elders there, etc. Oh, no. uh, I would go there to pray. It was, it was, I would go there to pray, etc. No, no organization taking the youth? Nothing. Absolutely wow. nothing. So I'm because I, I I started playing football a couple of years back. I told you guys, yes, right? Yes, yes. So I was I was developing my footballing skills, etc. And I got quite good. And then I got scouted and taken into like a, uh, a the local football team. They had like an education program as well. So it's like a blend between the education and the academy. Yeah, nice. Yes, yes, right? yes. So you do your training three days a week, and then you split it up with some education Fish, as well. So yes. you get like a diploma or something like that. Anyway, so I go there, and one Pakistani kid amongst forty other white guys. Wow, tables flipped now. And I'm just there by myself. I've got this little bum fluff coming out now, little beard, you know. And they would mock me. They would take the mick out of me. They would ridicule me. They'd laugh at me. I remember the first time they saw me pray. They were like, "What the hell is he doing?" They'd take little pictures of me, like you know, and, and share it all around the college and stuff like that, etc. And but I had two choices then. I had two choices. Either I back down and just don't hold on to my religion or I embody my religion and I become strong and I fight the current and I basically say, no, I need to give these guys da'wah. Mm. But my mentor was Dr. Zakir Naik. So he's not, you know, you know, a small fish. He's not someone that's going to just back down. So he said, well, asr. You have to, you know, So he was saying that you have to give, you have to spread the haq, you have to spread Islam, it's a fard upon you, you have to. Then I'm listening to Bilal Phillips and Abdurrahim Green and I'm I'm doing all these things and I'm subhanAllah like, you know, I'm like, okay, 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 right, I've got a job now, I've got a mission. I have to save these people from the fire of hell, right? And it's like a healthy naivety then I'm like, you know, I'm now I'm like really, really, really passionate about it now. I go to college and in a group while they sat in a group, eight, nine of them, etc. I'm like, guys, I want to ask you, I want to ask you all, what is the purpose of life? You can you can probably tell what's gonna happen next, right? <laughs> They're all there sat in a group. Like, you know, mate, I'm not gonna say what they said, right? <laughs> Basically, right? <laughs> <laughs> there, there's the institute, buddy. <laughs> We've had that conversation before. <laughs> I'm not going to say what they said, right? It's just not fit for a Muslim podcast. Amen, amen. So, so, so basically, after they were just taking the mic and mocking, they were like, you know, laughing. They're slapping each other. They're slapping their thighs. Hilarious. Everything. I'm just like the center of the jokes now. And that lines up a pre- like a series of events now where it's just I'm just mocked every single day at college. Wow. No friends. Getting mocked at college for my religion, etc. Um feeling a lack of identity but still holding on to my islamic belief and then something happens to me and as i mentioned in my talk i was walking home one day from college and a thought entered my mind because now remember when you're 16 17 you that's the time to party that's the time to start going out with yeah. girls and that you're now no longer in school you're now in college you you're now starting to earn a little bit of money yeah. you know things are different right you're a man you're a man now right I gave all that up to practice my faith. Allah. But shaitan came to me one day and he said to me, what if Islam isn't true? Allah. What if this religion isn't true? Who created God? Who wrote the Quran? 
What if Muhammad lied? How were you so fortunate to be born into Islam and everyone else was born to be destined to the hellfire? Wow. Why do you have the unfair advantage? Why is there this contradiction in the Quran? Oh. Wallahi, when I say I could pretty much hear the voice of Shaytan when he was saying these things, I, it was there and it was there. It was so deep for me. My eyes are widened. My, my brain is starting to go into overdrive now. And I am now on a quest to remain steadfast. Allahu Akbar. I'm on a quest now. I had a, I had a similar situation. But my situation was the, the, the tick of approval to Adin. Because when I started praying, I had the same waswasa. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Where are you putting your head to? And it felt like somebody was actually speaking Wallahi, to Wallahi, this is it, man. Was actually, and I, my mum walked in because I sent salams. Yeah. And I'm looking around and my mum looks at me, what are you doing? I go, mum, was somebody there talking to me? Oh. And she goes, what happened? And I told exactly what happened. As I was praying, this waswasa came. Yeah. But to me, it was a testament to the truth. Why? Because I've done a lot of things in my life and never ever had any waswasa. Thank you. Exactly that. When I knew this would took place, I knew this was the, the, the correct path. That was the turning point for me. It was uh-huh. like, this din is no doubt the truth and nothing but the truth. This is it. And, and I would try and make sense of this. I would go to different masajid. I would go all over the UK, any conference, any retreat, any convention. I'm just there. But believe you me, every single time that I go to these conferences, it's a boost. Flat, and then I'm crying, and then I'm in sujood, and I'm saying, Ya Allah, forgive me. But then I'm like, Is there an Allah? And I'm like, Oh no, hold on, what's going on? And so wow. like, you know, I'm just struggling, and I'm at home and in my room, I'm just crying and crying and crying. I'm just crying to my mom. I'm just telling my mom, Mom, I can't get rid of these thoughts, Mom. You know, I can't get rid of these thoughts, and I'm trying just so hard, Mom, and it just hurts. And you know, I want to practice Islam fully, I want to do it, I want to commit my life to Allah, but I can't, Mom. Just and my mom, she, poor woman, she just put my head in her lap and she'd be like, it's okay, just say, just say That's all she could say to me. Wow. No friends at this time. Um, and then, you know, at this time, what ends up happening is my dad, he's on Facebook now, you know, he's calmed down a little bit. My dad's just playing football all the time and he's training and, you know, he's doing his own thing, right? But he's on Facebook now, my father, right? And he gets into just some different debates and stuff like that, whatever, etc. He's got interest in religion, politics, all that sort of stuff. He comes across this lady and this lady is like just, just, you know, having banter with him and just debating him on Facebook and whatever, etc. And this lady then sees that my dad has a son. You know, you can see your family. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So she sees my profile and every now and again, I'm commenting and stuff like that as well. And this lady is Auntie Frida from Melbourne. Allah. And she then starts messaging me as well. We start talking and, you know, she's an elderly lady. She's like, you know. Just very witty, very cheeky, very nice, you know. And at this point, I have no one to talk to about my doubts. I've got no religious friends. Like, I've got no friends in Islam, right? So I'm just like, you know, speaking to her and just opening up to her and just telling her what I'm going through, etc. This is through 2011. You didn't have that with your dad at all? I did used to tell my dad things, but my dad's too busy working. Mm. Too busy working. Listen to all the fathers. Listen to yeah. all the fathers. Connect with your children. Allah. Make sure you're always on top of that conversation, being there, being their ear. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Just, but, but subhanallah. So Allah sent you her, really. Yeah. 
Allah to, to really answer sort of some questions Because I had no friends And, no. and she was that person in my life in that my I would life. talk to Like every day in college I would open up Like I'd come back home Oh, oh sorry there's a part I missed out How can I miss this out? I'm coming home now And from college every single day Getting more and more waswas The more I go to college The more the waswas come And then you know wow. I'm trying to fight them etc I'm trying to give these people that war. Uh, and then what ends up, I get into different fights at college as well because it's obviously the racist and stuff like that, right? And I come home and like I'm now obviously all I'm doing now is I'm like, it's like a battle now. You have to hold on to your iman. Whatever happens at all costs, you have to fight every single day, tooth and nail, to just hold on to Islam now. So I'm just watching Islamic speakers online, and there's this one speaker that I just absolutely fall in love with, and that's the man who sat in this chair, Sheikh Bilal. And Sheikh Bilal, I listened to all of his lectures, and then I download his lectures. I had, we had MP3s at the time. What, what did you What did you What did you fall in love with? Bilal? Sheikh Bilal, I remember Subhanallah. It was just the the spiritual element of it, Shalai. the element that he would bring in the stories of the Prophet. Shalai. You know the, the the different stories that he'd have, the different things that he he would speak about priorities. He would speak about the hereafter. He would speak about Al Jan. Oh my God, his talk lecture about paradise. Wallahi, to this day I still cry when I listen to it. Even, even in the podcast, he mentioned that. His pathway was the love of the Sahaba, love of the. Yeah. It resonates in his yeah. conversation. You can tell. Yeah, man, and, 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 and subhanAllah, his ability to st- like story, his storytelling ability, yeah, his, the way he would speak and articulate, and how soft he is, and I would just fall in love with that. Well, Obviously, there were other speakers as well in the UK. There was Murtaza Khan. There was other speakers as well who I really, really love listening to. But he's at the age group too. He's a young, young, up and coming. Yeah, yeah, he was up and coming at the time, and right? You know, and so I would watch his lectures just every every day. Every day, but you know, it's a, you know one thing that's extremely amazing about this year was that Sheikh Bilal never projected his products out. Yes, he never did that. You know the that? last six months, he just he released. never had a channel. Yeah, Subhanallah. Yeah. So people were well, recording yeah, yeah, because yeah, he yeah. made a pact not to have his own media channel yeah. ever. This started only started this year. I know. Subhanallah. So Subhanallah, how he got through the people through others. So you can imagine he never wanted to put anything out. And some brothers and sisters said, wow, this is amazing. They'd record him themselves and put it up. And put it up. Oh, so it's, can you imagine, like, do you see the linkages of yeah. the Hassanet, some brothers and sisters that have went Allah. and recorded him and put him up online, yeah, yeah. and got through to you. Yes. Absolutely. Allahu Akbar, man, Allahu Akbar. I would feel, I would feel like, uh, you have to remember what I'm going through right now. No friends, no friends, except for Auntie Farida, who's online just somewhere in Australia, right? And subhanAllah, like what would happen is that Sheikh Bilal's lectures would just be my comfort every single day. And I'm just young and I'm just so impressionable right now. And I'm struggling and fighting every single day with these guys at college. All they're doing is they, like, they would mock Allah and his messenger. They would mock their religion. They would take mick out of me. I would bring a Quran wow. into, into college and they would, they would vandalize the Quran. And, oh, subhanallah, wow. would, yeah. And I learned, but let me tell you something that built me though. That built me, that helped me because I was going through a test every single day and I would dread going to college. And I was a top scorer in that. In Why didn't that you just leave? I didn't have anything else. I didn't have anything else. You know, I don't have my father to basically like, you know, help me get to another college. My father was too busy working. Subhanallah. You know, my mother's from Pakistan, the village. The only reason I ask is. No, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, look. You have to just persevere. I, I'm thinking I'm going to go through this pathway. You're young. You are no guidance. I've got no one elders telling me things, etc. Anyway, so 
I go to some of these conventions and conferences and stuff like that, etc. And I speak to some mashayikh and speak to some elders and I tell them I've, I've got these doubts. I've got, I'm about to, I'm, I feel like I'm about to leave Islam every single day. Then what ends up happening is that one of them, Sheikh Nabi Daziz, I remember him, subhanAllah, uh, he, says to, he says to me, find practicing brothers. I said, there are no brothers around me. And he says something profound. He says, make and develop that brotherhood. So then now, like, you know, I'm thinking, okay, subhanAllah, I'm going to do that, right? And this is around about February 2011 now. So I've been a whole year, I've been at college now, and I'm just kind of now grappling with these doubts and everything. And then what ends up happening is that Auntie Fariza sends me a message. And she says in an email, she says, here's a gift for you. Wow. And then it's that the video. Early, the earlier aid gift, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Sheikh Bilal said, Assalamu alaikum, Shaib. Oh my God, when I heard those words, my, every single hair on my body just stood up. Because wow. you have to remember, I, I'm a nobody and I am like the bottom of the barrel in, in my eyes. I'm just dep- like sad. I'm broken. I'm depressed. I'm just struggling every single day. I'm crying and I'm just trying to grapple with my, 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 my faith. And when Sheikh Bilal sent me that message, God, my life, my li- it was like a light that just came down to my life. SubhanAllah. And it's not what he said, but it's the fact that he said it to me. Yeah. And it's the fact that it's him who said it to me. Because he believed in you. And and, and 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 what he he said something right at the end. He said, "My du'as are with you, Akhi." Allah. And you know, when he said that, I knew that Auntie Frida told him about my doubts, told him about my problems. Subhanallah. Because she told me that I told Bilal about what you're going through, and he gave some advice, and he said, "You know, hold on to the hajjid and hold on to these things, etc." Everything he told me, I still remember. Hold on to the hajjid, etc. Find good friends, etc. Seek knowledge. I remember. Allah. And then that's what in the video he said, "My du'as are with you, Akhi." So when he said that, I, I watched that video over a thousand times. Wow. I got that video. I made sure I saved it to different USB sticks and just, you know, make sure I just... <laughs> it them. was like the cryptocurrency <laughs> of the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, for me, it was. <laughs> subhanAllah. And subhanAllah, what ends up happening then is um, from that moment onwards, I just start to believe that, you know, subhanAllah, if something like this can happen, you know, what other opportunities in life are waiting for me? Wow. I have to push through. I have to push through. I have to push through. I can't give up. Allah. And that was that little glimmer of just, I needed it so bad. Wow. This is, this is one of the key. This is the absolute key that we talk about. I believe in you. I will help you believe in you. Allah. You know, our Muslim brothers and sisters, every human being, in fact, needs somebody just to slightly believe in them. Yeah. When they say to you, and when you see somebody who's capable, and wallahi, I tell you, brothers and sisters, all you need to do is to tell somebody from your honest truth that, you know what, I know what you're going through. I believe in you and I'll help you believe in yourself. Because mm-hmm. that's what Bilal did for you really, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He I, said, I believe in you and in a way I'll help you believe in yourself. Allah. Correct? And, and this is the key, wallahi. This is what we need to do for our youth. Not even our youth, all each other. But it's it's part of the sunnah. The Rasul when he got the wahi, where did he go? Yeah. To his beloved wife. Yeah. And what did you say to him? She believed in him. She said, you are too good of a person. Yes. Allah would never Allah put you through. This is the reassurance. This is the belief. She's telling Allah him, I believe Allah. in you. He needed that. He needed of that. Course. Of course he needed that. He needed that. Allah, we all need it. And that's the Prophet Wasallam. This is the best of creations. He's showing us a sunnah that we all need somebody to believe in us and put faith in us for us to believe in ourselves. Even us. We were at a conference on Friday night, fundraising dinner, and a brother came up to us. 
and he said some amazing stuff. And many people were driving back home thinking, Allahu Akbar, like, how, amazing we, we, how much. We always second guess ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you, feel, you know, the imposter doing... syndrome? Of course. Everyone has it, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, something you think yourself, Alhamdulillah, like, what are we? Like, 20 episodes, yeah. you know, who the hell are we? You know what I mean? Are we really reaching, you know, subhanAllah, you know, you think yourself, Alhamdulillah, we're trying our best, you know? But then was a brother come up to us yeah, like on the conference, like what well, he goes, brother, I think I know you. This is that. <laughs> Wallah, you don't know what you're doing for me. You know, well, I have alternative content. Know, yeah. I watch it. We, you know, we wait for your Friday every Allah, Friday to watch Allah. it with the family. And I think myself, Allah, but look at that one family we're changing. Inshallah, to be more married because we feel more motivated. We feel more. Allah Akbar is that when we're driving home, I think Allah, alhamdulillah, like suddenly, oh, there you go, there's another person that believes in us. Allah Akbar. You know what I mean? And, and exactly that, exactly that, brother Ahmed. It's it's, it's just. You know, when when that happened for me, I just thought, man, this is like such an empowerment for me. Allah. I'm lonely. I'm just by myself, and and that 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 then it's like it's like someone's just giving you this boost, and you feel like now, okay, cool. Someone knows about my struggle because I would go to these conferences and if I try to speak to the sheikh and. They just got crowds of people around them. And, oh, who the hell am I, man? Let's just go home. You know, just, just go home crying on the train. I was like, will I ever speak to Noman Ali Khan? Will I ever speak to this sheikh? Will I ever speak to these people? Allah. What do I have in my life, man? Anyway, let's go college again, man. Let's just, just go through the same motions every single day. Anyway, subhanAllah. So then after receiving that message from Sheikh Bilal, I'm over the moon. I'm excited. I'm happy. February 2012. And now, subhanAllah, you know, I'm just now like from there, what happens is in end of Feb, I start the Dawah stall in my local town. Oh wow! Yes, because that that gave me now the boost. Now what that's done for me is it's given me this energy, this charge, this what I needed, and so then what ends up happening is I start to empower myself. Okay, then I find then I find this masjid in my town. I didn't even know they existed. This masjid in my town, and I walked through the doors of this masjid a few months earlier, but there's no youth there, and I say to the different masajid in my town, I say, can I start a youth night? Can you give me a little budget just for pizzas? You know, I just want to bring some shabab into the masjid. SubhanAllah. And all of them say no, except this one masjid. Allah. And this one masjid basically said yes. And the chairman of the masjid, basically, uh, I discovered that this chairman is actually a student of knowledge, like an actual person of knowledge as well. But he doesn't look as if he's like a person of knowledge. And his name is Abu Rumaysa. And Abu Rumaysa is the man who translated a lot of books from Ibn al-Jawzi into English. Wow. And he's known worldwide, but wow. no one knows his real name. They all know him as Abu Rumaysa. But this man is, subhanAllah, he's now my teacher. I mean, he's the chairman of the masjid. He's my teacher. But wallahi, when you look at him, he looks like just some random dude. Allah. And subhanAllah. Stop there, sorry. Yeah. It's very important. This is very, very important. And we all have him. It is so, so important to have teachers, Allah. to have mentors. You know, like, yeah. wallahi, you know, because this is what we do. This, this is, you know, the so important. Mentorship is so key. Absolutely. There are so many people that want to travel from here to there, but most do not know how to get there no. or have know the plan or know the road or which way to go. And having mentors, having brothers and sisters, wallahi, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you're worthy of that mentor, Allah will match you with that mentor that will help you go. Allah. When he sees your heart, is worthy because it's unfair for you know it's amazing like a brother like you met yeah. there, there you go a high color brother you know, you know what i call those brothers the khidrs of our community Allah yes mashallah yeah, they're hidden gems wallah we all have them they are so hidden everywhere and they don't want to get out you know what i mean they don't want yeah no 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 this is the thing there's the there's a beauty behind them as well because they're hidden, they're hidden. no one knows who they are 
But the impact they have is amazing. Allah bless them. We make dua to all these brothers that are un- underneath, that are just not knowing, that are doing so much khair and, and, and motivating and inspiring, Ameen. changing our brothers and sisters Ameen. in the community. Man. May Allah bless them all. Ameen. And subhanAllah. So t- sorry, I had to cut no, that no, there because okay, such no, a key moment it is, you're right. is mentorship and support. Without that support, where would you be, brother? Wallahi. Where would you be? Without, if you didn't open that door and say, yes, you can have that pizza night. Wallahi, I don't know where I'd be. I have no idea because that was a big, big, big thing for me. And and I never I never forget and I never will forget. How many doors did you knock on before you got the yes? I had to speak to at least four or five masajid. There you go. There you go. You know, and that's uh, so important. That journey is so important. Yeah. If Allah Subhanahu gave you the first one, you'd think so yeah. easy. I remember going up to them and saying, "Can we do it?" They're like, "Oh well, you know, budget is tight and this and that." They didn't really see the vision. <laughs> when I when I when I spoke to him, and then Allah. here's a beautiful thing as well, is that when I said to him, "I'm having doubts about Islam." Wallahi, this is the most amazing thing. He would then say to me, well, listen, let's sit down. Let's do some classes. Let's do this and that, etc. Why don't you come to my house? We can learn a little bit. Allah. Subhanallah. Allah bless him. This guy, Allah wallahi, he taught me aqidah. He taught me sirah. He taught me fiqh. He taught me tafsir. Everything. Subhanallah. Sheikh Bilal was that spark. spark. And then that 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 fueled me to go. And then because Sheikh Bilal doesn't know who I am, he's all outside of the yes, world. Yes. So then my teacher Abu Romesa, he then takes me in, and we start studying. I start studying under him. I start learning with him, etc. At the same time, I'm now starting these youth nights in the masjid, etc. It starts growing. Loads of guys from the d- different parts of town are coming here, etc. Pizza, there's football, there's games, there's all these things happening Allah. right now. Nice. And Subhanallah, what ends up happening then is that. You know, we we start developing this kind of like brotherhood in our local area. We start something called Friday football. We start playing football on a Friday night, nice. and we start inviting all the shabab, all the oh, brothers nice. coming out. And now there's now new brothers coming into the masjid, coming into the deen. That's where I find my best friend, who's my best friend right now. He starts coming playing Friday football with us. Oh. We start doing these events in the masjid. I get, I start now as an 18, 19 year old. I'm now. G- Leading projects and getting these guys who are 23, 24 to come and to hand put out chairs, hand out pizza boxes, etc. Was developing like a small little group, mm, whatever, etc. Right? Allah bless you, Yara. As that grassroots stuff. Wow, absolutely. Just from the Wallahi, this is how we got people to start playing football. I turn up to Juma, I have a leaflet in my hand, handing out. Want to play? Want to play Friday football? Want to play Friday football? I'd walk up to brothers. Do you play football? Do you want to play? Come with us on a Friday night. We're going to play tonight. Do you want to come? Collecting oh. numbers, just collecting a big database of numbers on my phone. Allah. Right? And it's just sheer like loads of effort, just loads of action, and I keep pushing forward. I keep pushing forward. I'm keep, I'm, I'm just doing this, doing this, doing this for years now. And then what ends up happening is along the side, my doubts are slowly fading away now. Allah. You know my the habit of the hajjud. For Allah. years I kept it up. Now, yeah, every now and again, you know, nothing like that. But, but nothing, but subhanAllah, I'm telling Khair you, Allah, what I had then in terms of my relationship with Allah, it was something different because I was forced to do that. I was forced into this state of humility every single day. And because every day is a struggle for certainty and yaqeen, and I just. Ha- it was intense. Amen. So was my worship. So was just my ikhlas. So was everything, the seeking knowledge. And because of that sheer intensity, I went through so much in terms of a spiritual kind of like growth yeah. myself in those early, early years that that is what is keeping me on the deen to, to this day. Because it's just that muscle memory now. That doesn't mean I can get complacent, but what I'm saying is that it's been that thing, that, that nucleus, that seed that's just been growing. And it's now like I'm looking at brothers around me who are like falling off the deen or whatever. And I'm thinking, what the hell have I done? 
I have no clue what I've done. But then I remember Allah Azza wa Jal gave me the hardest test at the start. Amen. And to this day, nothing ever that I've done or nothing, no test, no difficulty, no calamity, no hardship is even 1% of what I was going through. Wow. Because that's your iman. Your Amen. whole foundation is crumbling. Amen. And subhanAllah. So, Allah, may Allah keep us steadfast. I mean, I mean, I mean. So from there, I'm just going to kind of like just go go through so years of giving da'wah. Um, and alhamdulillah, what ends up happening then is we then get to a point now where you know how I was like dealing with the youngsters, these 12, 13-year-olds. Now they're turning older. Now their voices are breaking. Now they're older. Now I'm now in like a proper leadership role. I'm 22, 23, 24. So I get married, alhamdulillah, have some kids and, you know, things are good, etc. in that part of my life. But from the perspective of that one now, I'm now thinking about social media now because this is the social media age. New world. New world now, right? So it's 2018, you know, 2018, 2019. The now auditorium is getting bigger. the Colosseum, did you? So I didn't enter the Colosseum <laughs> yet. I'm observing everything. I'm seeing like, you know, it's there's no life. real content out there. But there's good, nice we're, stuff. We're here. all, it's amazing. We're all... Coming to the Colosseum to watch, aren't we? Every one of us. We are in the Colosseum watching. watching. I, that's, I was a bystander. I was just watching everybody. So many of us. How many? Imagine all these Muslim brothers and sisters, instead of them sitting there watching the Colosseum, getting in the Colosseum and creating the content. Imagine every Muslim did that today. Allah. We would absolutely flood this Colosseum with amazing things. Allah, Allah. And we've got the power because we've got the numbers. And that's uh-huh. you can see what's happening with Palestine now. Uh-huh. The this awareness. It. Where's this it coming is it. from? This is it. Because we have the so numbers. So suddenly now people are creating content. And the power and this is why we did this podcast, honestly, because and it was a scary thing, honestly. Entering the Colosseum isn't isn't something that's easy. Because no. you're gonna it's get critiqued. You're no. gonna get critiqued. You're gonna you're gonna do the wrong thing. Like compared our first podcast, for example, to this one now. Like, you know, we, uh, uh, not asking the right questions. <laughs> night, and day, night and day, you it look is. at that and you'll be like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, Allah uh, Akbar. It's fine, so, so, so now the doubts start just going away. Alhamdulillah. 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 Now they'll come like previously, it was every day. And now it's just pretty much once every six months. They'll start coming. But what this means now is I can focus on the da'wah. And now, now, like, as in, I've become a khatib for like four or five years at the local university, so I'm giving khutbahs every single week. At the same time now, I'm now managing and running these events and these projects. And then what ends up happening is that, you know... Can I just stop you? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Because obviously, a lot of brothers want to get into da'wah. How are you... How are you surviving? How is your income? How how are these things happening while you're still passionately... Pushing forward. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Okay, okay, cool. So I, because when I left college, I didn't go to university. Um, I kind of just started, you know, giving that. That was the only thing that was on my mind. Income and money was just a side thing. Like, yeah, I, I would sell like Ralph Lauren polo t-shirts and stuff like that, etc. on eBay. My dad would do a little bit of that. Then I'd take over, I'd do a bit. It was nothing serious. And then, you know, subhanAllah, around about 2000 and I'd say 15, 16, I, start, I, I got like a full-time income. My first proper full-time income. Previously, it was just little side hustles here what and What was there. the job? I was working as a security officer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Security in town centre. You get to say everything as a security officer. Yeah, 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 of course you do. That's was, my background. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> so I was working as a security officer in town centre. Wow. Um, and then from there, I worked in recruitment for a little while. little stint in recruitment. And then I started working for a Hajj and Umrah company. Uh, and that was working from home as well because my my manager lived in Saudi Arabia, so uh, I was working from home. I was doing that, etc. 
Inshallah. So just full time jobs, yeah. and then I had my own hijama clinic as well that I was doing. Oh wow! Yeah, I was doing my Love own hijama. hijama. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Every so, three months. Yeah, mashallah, that's it, you know. <laughs> so I, I, I would have my hijama clinic that I'd be running. So I'd be doing my nine to five in the in the daytime, that would chop and change from time to time, and then I'd be doing the evenings the hijama. So I now I've got like two different incomes coming in from there. Amazing. Amazing. Sorry, I just want to ask that because a lot of the youth that yeah. understand there's a lot of back work still happening yeah, while the dawah is happening because course, they course. just want to do full time dawah. Yeah, because some of them get into this dawah only they forget that they need to earn an they're income. Beg, they're begging for an income from people. This is it, and that's a problem. So, 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 alhamdulillah, I've always been earn, earn, earning for myself. Alhamdulillah, uh, my dad has never given me like you know anything because he didn't have anything to give me. Sure. Uh, but I'm grateful for that, you know. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. And then what ends up happening is that. You know, uh, we, we go forward from, from, from this 2018, 19 now And ev- someone tells me to join Snapchat uh. I'm thinking, no In my head, Snapchat is just stupid little kids Making selfie videos and stuff like that What kidawa can you do there? In 2018, so I make a Snapchat account As I'm promoting my hijama business I don't get much traction I started to just obviously speak, give some Islamic reminders because now I'm, I've been doing a khatib for many, many years. I've been giving reminders at these events, etc. Let me just start, turn the camera around. Let me just start, start speaking about Islam. And I started doing that and then my, my, my account grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And now our events are growing because people are discovering me and all the youngsters are like on Snapchat. So, so they start coming to our events and I'm wow. like, it's amazing. That's now, I now leave Facebook. I'm no longer on Facebook anymore. Like, I'm no longer interested in Facebook. And now I'm on Snapchat. I'm not on Instagram much or anything. So now it's, but Snapchat's very, like, cryptid. It's just yes. in its own little personal. Kind of, it's like it's a, a bubble. Family. It's, really, it's, 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 it's a own bubble. Yeah. It's its own bubble, exactly. So I now give that one Snapchat and, you know, but loads of people are coming to our events. So now that that one is taking a different role. So now I'm doing events management now. So now we're getting, you know, two, three hundred people turn into our events. So now big events, etc., having to manage them, etc., building. But when that happens, there's something amazing also happens. That brings in new people onto the dean and new leaders are born. So now I'm getting into mentorship and leadership now. Youth development, youth leadership, youth mentorship now. So now it's about community building, event management, youth leadership now. Then we start doing these retreats. We're taking kids onto like a three-day residential retreat, for example, building them up as leaders, empowering them, giving that kind of courage and to, to go on and to pursue life and to practice the religion. We're doing these campfires and we're learning how to affect their hearts and to make them into leaders and develop them and... SubhanAllah, wow. now my role has shifted a little bit now. I'm now more involved in the youth leadership development role. How old were you then? I, 2019, that was, that was four years ago. So now I'd say I was 25 then. Wow. 25 then. So because so now, now I'm 25, I'm doing all of this. Uh, and then we're getting ready for the greatest summer of our life in, two, in 2020. In 2020, we're all just waiting now for summer to happen. Waiting for summer to happen because we, last year, 2019 summer was amazing. We had two, three hundred people come to the events. We're like, we're gonna have four, five hundred now. <laughs> Everyone's just patiently waiting for the summer. We're all just like looking at each other, like, oh, I can't wait for summer. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait for summer. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh man, summer's gonna be amazing. You know, summer's gonna be amazing, right? <laughs> we're all just so excited for it, just waiting for it now because that's the time where everyone's out. We can do these big water fights in park, massive barbecues, massive events, etc. Big football tournaments, everything. And then COVID happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that rat. That yeah, rat. Right. Yeah, bat. Sorry. Who knows? Bat. Eight <laughs> 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 
And um, <laughs> COVID happened then. And subhanAllah, what happened then? Social distancing. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. We went from there to there. SubhanAllah. Flat. No one can see each other. Lockdown. And then, you know, we can't come to the masjid. The masjid's locked. I mean, for six, seven months, we were just under house arrest, right? And then, you know, Wallahi, I always wanted to make good Islamic content. So I said to myself, you know what? I don't want to give lectures and this. Is, I want to make short films, mm-hmm. right? So then if you see my, my that, YouTube. That's my the video, Bollywood in you. So, and now do you Come see back. why I mentioned that? That's the Bollywood in me. So, so if, you, if you go down to uh, my videos, if you scroll down a little bit. Right, so can you see some of these videos here? Right, so some of these are short films. So click on this one here. The Muslim boy disrespects his dad. Right, so then we we start making these short films. I created the Sunnah guy, the Sunnah guy studio. Where, where, where did that come from? Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Okay. Please, okay. how did you come up with the words the ah, Sunnah guy? Okay, okay, okay. I want to know. So how the Sunnah guy started was, I was I used to take people for Hajj and Umrah, the Sunnah. I used to do hijama, the sunnah. I would sell zamzam, which is from the sunnah. Allah. I would uh, sell dates, ajwa dates, which is the Prophet's favorite dates, the sunnah. sunnah. I give dawah, which is from the sunnah, right? Wow. And uh, yeah, so essentially these were some of the films, right? So you can pause yeah. that. And essentially like the sunnah guy, I was like, okay, I'm doing all of these sunnahs. Why don't I just name myself the sunnah guy? So then I start and then I start with these short films. Allah. And, and, and if you look what's crazy, right? These short films, just scroll down a little bit. Like these short films have like 187,000 views and my channel just started. So they just started blowing up like just straight away. Loads of people just started watching them and sharing them, etc. There isn't any content out there. That's the problem. No, no short films. No short films at all. Nothing. Nothing. No one does these theatrical, theatrical dramas or these short films, etc. Oh, no, you're so right. So I started it and I just realized my channel grew to 25,000 subscribers within a few months. And I just thought, oh, subhanAllah, this is crazy. And then, so obviously that's how the Sunnah guys with, started. With, with your vision... It was always about dawah? Always about dawah. Always about? Always about dawah. Tackling situations of the youth. Yes. What you went through, where wow. you were at. And what I've been doing for the past 10 years as well, Allah. which is helping young people. And you were, you, were, you were so entrenched in what was going on with yes. these youth yes. to give them the content they required. This, because I knew the psyche of a young person better than anyone. So that was really you, that kid with your dad. In What's that? Way. Sorry. In a way, that was the kid. So. Yeah, so exactly, I'm painting things that I went through that youngsters are going through. I'm trying to basically make these short films, etc. Subhanallah. So so many so many things built up to this point because you have to remember my life inten- intensely was all about that one. And it's so amazing. then Subhanallah, like I make these short films, and then what ends up happening is that we make these short films. They go viral. Like every single one of them was getting over hundred thousand views. And it's a new channel. And then what ends up happening is we then do something crazy. We then say, why don't we make an actual movie, right? So then we made uh, the Two Sides trailer, right? Two Sides trailer. That'll be showing tonight, inshallah. This is showing tonight, right? So this, for example, is my trailer that, that for, for my film that I made. Now, how we made this film was, uh, you'll, you'll hear more about it. So this is the trailer, obviously. But essentially, we had a small budget. And then we basically went out and we made a movie. How small, if you don't mind? 5,000 pounds. That was 5,000 pounds. Wow, he people spending half a million dollars on a on a short film, man. Absolutely, you did that in five thousand pounds. Not a single one of them is a professional actor. I know, Allah, Allah. Akbar. But Amazing. it's all, all about resource. It is. It we is. were there in COVID with masks, our boom and our cameras and everything. <laughs> Allah, Akbar. You did this in COVID. In COVID, all of this happened in COVID. Allah, oh, what a project. Yeah, 
So, I so, this, so, know. I mean, I mean, so, I watched this last night. <laughs> oh, you got to watch it, yeah? Yeah, yeah, we're presenting about yeah, it tonight. So I had to, I had to watch it. Too. I love I watched it. Last it's, a great, watched it's a great it. journey of, of, of the youth, him but finding his place. It resonates. Making it resonates. mistakes. Exactly, exactly. Really trying to, to be honest, I, I know somebody who's, who's there. Yeah. I know a guy who's been there, went through that. I know it. And that identity crisis we're having. Yeah, is so profound. Absolutely, it's, Absolutely. it's like, happening like, every love, day. Like, in, and, I, and I love how you showed the fact that what really, like the salat, you know, how you had the yeah. um salat, yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah. The, the the prayer mat, yeah, yeah, yeah. and him looking at it and not praying, so that fun. resonates so much with so many boys. And yeah. girls. It's that guilt, isn't it? And mm. people lose that. You're trying to get rid of that guilt. Anyway, so this film was made on the back of those years of experience. So I wrote the script for the film. Love uh, it. Amazing. We filmed it. I edited the whole film myself. Oh, wow. You know, COVID, right? What the hell are you going to do? <laughs> what else are you going to do? <laughs> Amazing. And, and so obviously I edited it. And it took a year and a half to make. Inshallah. Um, yeah. And then eventually we wanted to just up the production quality. So we needed to someone to color the film. We needed sound mixers. We needed all these things. Yes. So we managed to get sponsors on board, alhamdulillah, eventually. Amazing. Right? Yes, um, and then subhanAllah, like as in this was the hardest thing I ever did. I can imagine. The hardest thing I ever did in my life. Wow. But now I've become a master at editing. I've become a master at script writing. I've become a master at creating content now. Yeah, yeah. Just by sheer, just, just yeah, you're everyday. Forced, you're forced, forced to sit there working on this, yeah. Exactly, because you've got nothing else to do. COVID. SubhanAllah. So we were doing social, so now social distancing started because it was like uh, the masjid, praying in like, you know, uh, yeah, gaps, right? That's right. SubhanAllah, so then. Yeah, one of the shaitan with us. Yeah, basically. <laughs> SubhanAllah. So, so then what ends up happening is from there, alhamdulillah, like as in that happens. And the film is made. And then, subhanAllah, we basically, you know, go to make, do it in the cinema. So if you go update on my life one year ago, right? So this is our film premiere. Oh, wow. So we do it in London. A thousand people turn up, two sides there, our film. Allah, amazing. Alhamdulillah. Inshallah, we need to do this. In yeah, so here, mashallah, we had people praying. Mashallah, it was lovely, you know, and it was amazing. It was history was made. First ever UK-based Islamic film shown in cinemas. Allah, Oh, so obviously I presented it in front of everyone as well. Alhamdulillah, we had a red carpet event. It was really, really nice. All the actors were there. You know, we, we mashallah, did loads of interviews. It was just a beautiful environment, a beautiful night. That would also catapult a lot of these boys into this world, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, it did. It did, alhamdulillah. So a lot of us, alhamdulillah, Allah you know, we, we, we did that. And, you know, it was... It was just something that we basically just... Amazing. Really, really, like, this is a Allah passion Allah. project that just... Did you actually... Uh, Produce and all all aspects. Did you like all these actors? You you brought them all together. So you know my Snapchat network. Yeah. I just put messages on Snapchat and yeah. I said, "Who wants to act? I need an actor next week. He has to be a black male." Wow. And and, and then and then someone like, "Okay, how much are you going to pay us, bro? I'll pay you thirty pounds a bus fare and chicken chips." <laughs> I'll take the chicken chips. <laughs> I think the chicken chips That's got it. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and that was it. Subhanallah. Wow. And, and, and so then no one's a no one's a professional actor. Not a single actor. Did you make him signing in Denver? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> you know, we're winging it. <laughs> you remind me of the movie Friday that they get paid. <laughs> well, like, honestly speaking. It was something that I just Wow, that's it, amazing. You just wing it, you just get it done. That's fantastic. But bro. you know, Wallahi, bro, it's not you. See, man, see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses you 
and he brings everybody. Look at the journey. Yeah. He brings everybody in there together. Like Allahu Akbar. Like oh, there's things that Subhanallah has happened in our life that we know it cannot. It's impossible for it to be us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like Allah. how these support come out of nowhere. Absolutely, absolutely. It's like, and, and, but Allah knows your intention, and yeah. He just brings yeah. these. Magnetism. This, this podcast is one of them. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Allah and, and you know, it's so crazy because that happened, the film happened, and you know when, you know when footballers retire or like you know an Olympic like sprinter has won the gold medal, or you've done something amazing. People fall into depression afterwards because they've done what they did. <laughs> so I was working on this for two years, for a year and a half, pretty much. Wow. It was done full time. Oh, absolutely full time. Because remember, I still got that money from Ramadan. Oh wow! Right, so. You know, I'm now living off that, and obviously next Ramadan comes in, and I, and then what ends up happening is the next Ramadan comes in because we stopped making the film because we ran out of money, right? Wow. So Ramadan came in again, and then I got a big another jump, you know, a, a jump, Chunk. and then we went again, and Alhamdulillah, I used that money, and but then got paid back from some of the sponsors, and it was nice, right? Oh, wow. But then Subhanallah, now I've made a film. I know exactly how it all works. I've done all of that. I've got the T-shirt now. I'm just there, like sitting in my room, thinking, "What, what next now? You know, what next? What next? What next?" And I said, "Subhanallah, why did I start social media?" I said, "I wanted to drown out the voices of evil. I wanted to be someone that simply drowns out the voice of evil in our world. Amen. I want to be someone that raises Allah's word, that makes Allah's word the highest." Amen. Yes, this film is good, and I love it. And people came and they cried, and it touched them, and it moved them. But it's a movie; it's there for an hour. I, my presence used to be more because I believe that I've been through the journey. Yeah, I sat with some of my teachers. I spoke to them. I said, "Listen, you know, I want to really push this forward now, inshallah. You know, with their blessings, etc." They, they gave me some Allah. advice, and from there, what ends up happening is shura, I, so important. Yeah, isn't of it? course, of absolutely. And then, and then, what ends up happening is I basically go and I, it was a strategic thing. I then study the Instagram algorithm, understanding how and what is to grow on Instagram. Now I know how to light a set. I know how to use cameras. I know how to use microphones. I know how to do everything right now. Start to finish. Making a film. We need your help for that now. No problem, no problem, no problem. I know A to Z filmmaking. Wow. Right? But now what is is that I'm basically now going to implement that into my next, next phase now. So then what ends up happening is I now say to myself, I know what I need to do. And then I start making content online. And then I start making these videos, and then from that it just grows and grows and grows and grows. And alhamdulillah, within a year there's about six hundred fifty thousand followers on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube's now at a quarter of a million. And alhamdulillah, as I start doing that, you know, I get invited all across the world to come give lectures and help inspire the youth. And we're here now. Did you ever fathom that you're going to do that? Never. I was always just a simple brother. In a community, giving da'wah, my local area, helping developing young people, and I'm still doing that. that that's home, right? Alhamdulillah. You never get away from that, right? You know, you're not never too big for your own. How long, how long was that window? What's that? Sorry. Of your growth, of you going viral, as they say. It happened pretty much instantly. Wow. From the first video, wow. because I I came in with that strategy. Oh wow. So I kind of saw, but but here's the thing. Crazy thing is, is that there's not much other people doing it, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's why the window was open. Yes, you were probably one of the first. Now, exactly. now, now that, this, that, that was the omelet sandwich. Now they're yeah. starting to come. <laughs> <laughs> this is the omelet sandwich. <laughs> Everything's full circle, man. You know, oh, <laughs> exactly. It's really good, isn't it? <laughs> the omelet sandwich. Yeah, I like that. This one. is it. And so, so then, subhanAllah, all of that happens. 
Uh, I go all across Europe to give da'wah. Um, you know, been doing lectures, tours and everything. Alhamdulillah. Allahumma uh, barik, ya Rabbi. I'm just trying to now obviously build up this audience and subhanAllah yeah. from there. I'm now thinking how can I, because see my whole life and da'wah career has all been about community. Inshallah. And then subhanAllah, I'm now building this project called MGN. Yep, uh, pull, up, pull, up, pull up MGN. MGN. Allah, yeah, we had it, we, we spoke about that last night. Subhanallah, it was amazing. Uh, yeah. Amazing. So it's basically, okay. it's, 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 it's not done yet. It's We're still in the phase. Yeah. Inshallah, Inshallah, you know, we can look back at this video and you know, reminisce a little bit. But essentially, it's basically a place where Muslims will connect all over the world. Yeah. A global network of Muslims, uh, obviously led by myself. And I know all about community. I know all about what it impacts people, etc. From the various different areas of life, such as deen, fitness, finance, relationships, Amazing. content creation, etc. All these other things, etc. And we're just trying to bring in experts. So obviously, I'm, I'm, I've got experts contracted to do you know certain amount of calls a week, etc. Inter- awesome. Community interactions, all these things. Now, obviously, because I've got a responsibility now, so I, I have like the largest you know following number in kind of the European ads and stuff like that, etc. So for me now, wow. my page, my account goes grows by about 200,000 every 90 days. So it's, no, so it, it's growing very, very wow. aggressively, very quickly. And the thing is that because it grows so fast, you know, I, I'm not able to really push people towards something. SubhanAllah. Yeah, they'll watch my content, they like it and they'll share it, whatever. But there's nothing for them just to stay and stick and mm. to learn and to grow and develop. And I can do that in my own community. We're yes. doing that with our leaders there. Yes, because you've got the foundation. Yeah, foundations there. that I live there, right? Mm. But how can I do it with other people? Allah. And so that's why we yeah. developed this program I'm to kind of really It was beautiful seeing seeing you talking about it last night. Yeah. It was amazing. Like, hey, you know, like because it's quite it's outreaching and it yes. covers. It co- I think yes. you've, you you these can see it's very well thought of. Hello, yeah. like, we've thought of it's, things it's, like it's, that it's already. The, it's that world, uh, the circle of life. We yeah, call it the yeah, circle yeah, of yeah, life yeah, because yeah, we right. do at the retreat. Circle of life, you know, health. Well-being, yeah, 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 exactly. financial, financial. Because we did we, with the leadership trade, the first thing we do with them is we call it we call it the, the yeah. circle of life, uh-huh. and where are you lacking? Yeah. So, the, so, so we go through every sort of aspect of life, which we mm-hmm. divide into sort of nine nine things, mm-hmm. and then they'll sort of scale themselves yeah. up, and and then they'll see what's important in their lives yeah. or what they some, need. Some 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 are deemed driven already. They've got they've got their foundation exactly. They have they've got health. Thank in you. Order. Yeah, they need that. Yes, they need the health or some, or some need there. So what we do, we let them dissect themselves and yeah. find out where they need it. We need to stay in touch by well, yeah, no, 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 because really what really you guys are doing is very similar very to what similar. I'm doing as yeah, well. Yeah. And I think a lot well, you're now you're taking global, which is amazing. Inshallah, but that's because of the reach, right? So now the reach is there. You know, a couple of months, it'll be on a million followers. And yes. that Allah. then is like the next stage. And now what I want to do is I don't want to just, yeah, watch my videos. It's just now here is a project. Really? Here is something for you to be connected. Yeah. We want to create the largest rebut network in the world. Inshallah. We want to create the largest pool of students of knowledge Inshallah. as well, who are aspiring students of knowledge. Imagine. All these things are happening. And the thing is, is that, look, you guys know the story now. Yeah. There's something big behind all that happened, etc. You know, when Sheikh Bilal came on your podcast and that started the whole thing in Australia as well, you know. And Melbourne was the first city where I launched MGN. Allah, Allah. amazing. Alhamdulillah, it's all Allah's barakah. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Keep alhamdulillah. our intentions straight. Allah, may Allah, may Allah use you to do more khair. Amen. May Allah use you till your last breath to yeah. do khair and barakah and inspire and and push our beloved brothers and sisters worldwide to be of benefit. I mean, I mean, I mean. Thank you, thank you, Allah, you know, for giving me the opportunity to speak. Alhamdulillah, may Allah bless you. You know, we were really looking forward to you being here yeah, and sharing your amazing story. And uh, sharing, you know, the, 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 everyone has 
you know, this pathway that they go through. Everyone's got a pathway. Yeah. And, and, and I'd love for our brothers to see, you know, their pathway. They're going down this road now and they see in the darkness at the end of the road where you were seeing darkness at the end of your road and oh. all you needed was somebody to summon, put that light on and say, hey, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, guys. Mm-hmm. Just look here for now. I know yeah. it's dark. I know and you're walking yes. in the dark. Just keep walking. And, and I think, you know, uh, mashallah, you kept on walking. And like you said before, you kept on walking in the darkness, dealing with these guys that were giving you hell, you know, in, in the academy yeah. and making fun yeah. of us. Yeah. They, they are. They're going to. They're going you know to. what I mean? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't put you through what you can handle. Allahumma barik. May Allah put blessing in what you do. I just want to ask you one more question yeah, before sure. we, we end up, inshallah. Obviously, with your growth and um, with your celebrity status, if we want to call that, <laughs> how do you keep yourself grounded you know, mashallah, I met you in the last couple of days. Mashallah, you're very, very humble. You know, we've been, we've been, to, we've been around. The, you know, celebs now and interviewing. Mashallah, everyone's got a. You know, sometimes it's, it's it's a tough one because they they tend to see, is it is it fame? Is it is it? How do you keep yourself grounded without having kibber or being? Yeah. Oh, you know, but you have to keep to a certain level in front of people. So just some of these youth that are coming up, inshallah, and may Allah never test us with anything, but mm-hmm. how do you keep yourself grounded and uh, being able to, just some advice for these young young chaps coming up, inshallah. You know, bro, the thing is, is that you have to always second guess yourself. If you if you don't second guess yourself, if you don't guess it, if you don't think that what you're doing is, if you think that, oh, I'm, I'm good, I'm sorted, that's the problem, isn't it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and for me, I'm, I, alhamdulillah, I'm blessed that I have my elders around me, <laughs> I have my community around me, me, if I say something like off key, I've got a hound of people in my masjid. Just, you know what I mean? They're ready to. Oh, what are you doing? You know? yeah, so I'm a community man. Amazing. Yeah. amazing. You know, I, I I stick with my community. My wife is a humble woman. You know, unknown to the world, she keeps me grounded. My kids are gentle, soft, little innocent kids. You know, they keep me grounded. The brothers all around me are humble, good, nice community people. No one knows who they are. That keeps me grounded. And then ultimately speaking, it's the relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I developed many years ago Inshallah. and that's the m- most important thing that I have to always go back to you know um, the thing is is that this whole celebrity celebrity status whatever you want to call it fame or whatever this is a necessary evil for the job that needs to be done yeah, and I think is. the biggest thing for me amongst all of these things is to know the purpose and the reason for why I am doing what I'm doing and if Allah Azzawajal has given me this maqam this station this platform to have the most amount of followers in Europe I will rise to that and I will do what I need to do and I will not shy back down. I will not try and play humble. I will not try and act a certain way that I don't want this. Yes, I will grab it and I will push forward because Allah has chosen me for this just like he chose Khalid and Walid for their army against the Persians and the Romans. When the flag fell down, Khalid went and grabbed it, took the army to defeat, took the, took the army, defeated the enemy. Pakistan and Khurasan was open and I'm a Muslim today. Wallahi, if we don't see this as a maqam from Allah Azza wa Jal, as a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as a responsibility. Sorry, this is not a blessing. This is a job. This is a responsibility. And therefore, for me, I see this as a responsibility. I wasn't ready years ago. I I could have done this many, many years ago, but wallahi, only until I was grounded, only until I had those people around me, only until I learned filmmaking, I learned creativity, content creation, script writing, all of these things. I learned all of these systems in place. Only then and then I felt I was ready to really come on board and do it. 
And this yeah. is what my advice would be for the younger generation is listen, go through the hard graft, go to the masjid, go to your local community, build yourself up, go and seek knowledge, go and study. Then come on when you feel you can really genuinely benefit people. Yeah, yeah. Like you guys, mashallah, Allah Mubarak, look, your studio, everything is done nice, your branding is good. You have something different. Some podcasts are just like, you know, standard. I love the way you guys have things set up, Allah Mubarak, with, 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 you know, everything here is really, really good. But it's something different. It's something unique. You guys are, you guys, alhamdulillah, Allah has blessed you with wealth and you're using that wealth in the right way. But it's a responsibility. You stepped up to the plate. And that's why we can't be people that just shy away from it. Double guess your intentions. Of course, always question yourself. Always ask yourself the questions. Always check yourself. But know that the flag has to be upheld. Amen. Know that the baton does not end here. It has to be carried on and passed. And you're going to eventually pass it on to somebody Amen. else. But you need to run with it now. Amen. Because if you don't sprint, you're going to lose the race. And we can't let them claim the narrative. We have to take control now. I mean, And that's what it is, bro. It's, it's, it's about pushing yourself as well. You know? Allah Berik. Allah Berik. I think we, we always end the podcast on one thing, <laughs> which is called an I am statement. What would your I am statement be? Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that question. Um, I haven't really spoke about this too much, but you know, I am grateful. Gratitude has been the one thing in my life that's kept me going, because when I would have doubts about Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, it's weird, really weird, right? I would get like an an utter, smell it, and I'd say, "You really think that came from evolution?" Allah, <laughs> and doubts would go away. Allah, I would practice gratitude a lot. You know, that would be the one thing. I'd say, I am grateful. And I want to take everyone to paradise. Probably something like that, you know. Inshallah. Allah bless you. I, I would have said, uh, I'm trying to follow the sunnah as much as I can. Oh, inshallah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Which embodies everything you do. The doing. sunnah guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, I love the that. sunnah guy. <laughs> it's, it, 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 everything you've spoken about from a young age, yeah, it's yeah, all about yeah, the sunnah. Yeah, yeah. May Allah bless you, bro. May Allah increase you. May Allah elevate you to do khair, to be more of an influence and change as many lives as possible, inshallah. And inshallah, unite us in this dunya and in the Thank you very much for being on the podcast. And wallahi, it's been amazing. We really enjoyed it. And honestly, you have motivated me personally as well. So, Allah bless you. We're going to hold that flag. Inshallah, but this is it, man. Come on. Thank you so much. Assalamu alaikum. I'd just like to end, inshallah, asking all um, the people that are watching, inshallah, to subscribe, follow. Uh, it's very important. We love the commentary, guys. Well, like, the questions are amazing. We always pass it on. Any questions you have, we'll pass it on to our guests. And inshallah, we'll get them answered to you. May Allah bless you all. Thank you for watching. And wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.